Today we begin our journey of Lent. This is the 40 days of preparation for our hearts and our souls as Easter approaches. During this season, including Easter morning, I'll be preaching on the seven last sayings of Jesus. These are the seven phrases that Jesus says from the cross. If you've heard these before, you probably heard them preached on a Good Friday service. Very often, this is the topic for a Good Friday service built around these seven words. But I want to take a little bit of time with each of them to uh, speak about their meaning a little more intently. None of the Gospels record all seven sayings. Matthew and Mark record Jesus saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Luke records Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And uh, Luke also records Jesus saying, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. John records the final three. The idea of woman, behold your son. Behold your mother. I thirst and it is finished. It's important as we start to think about these sayings that we understand how important they are. Jesus has been preaching, teaching, and doing miracles for three years. Uh, One of the Gospels says that volumes could be written about all the things Jesus did. And you can imagine that, right? Okay, If if you had to write down all the stuff you did in the last three years, uh, you would have a long, long, long volume of stuff that you've done. The gospel writers aren't just writing a biography of Jesus. They're making a case about Jesus. They're selecting what things they're going to say and what things they're not going to say. They have to. They can't say everything that Jesus did and everything that Jesus said. So whatever the gospel writers choose to include, whatever Luke decides to put in his gospel, he's picking for a reason. And we believe he's inspired by the Holy Spirit to do that so that what goes in that gospel is part of the overall argument of the gospel. So they're selective. If the gospel writers include these words, they include them for a reason, and that should stand in our minds to be pretty important. Not only do we need to remember how important these phrases must have been for the gospel writers, we need to think about Jesus in this moment. Jesus says these words from the cross. The primary way that people died in crucifixion was actually by suffocation. Your arms are stretched out. You're hanging there and your body fatigued to the point where you can't lift your lungs, your your ribs up enough to breathe. Okay, so you suffocate. And so you can imagine Jesus was very difficult for him to speak from the cross. Anything Jesus wanted to say from the cross would have been just a ton of labor and a ton of pain to say these words. So if Jesus is saying these words from the cross. They must have been pretty important words for Jesus, too. I think there's one other thing that helps put these words into perspective. And that is that we typically think of Jesus hanging on a large cross. Okay, when you picture a cross in your mind, it's probably like that, right? Probably this big cross in the movies. It's always this big cross that they labor to bring up. But actually, that's really inefficient, Okay, if you're going to crucify someone, there's no need to put them that high in the air. All you need is them about a foot in the air. And so it's much more likely that Jesus was crucified. He was crucified on a hill, so it was up where people could see him. But it's more likely he was crucified on a very low cross. In fact, it was probably shaped more like a T. 
uh, instead of a little T, I think a big T, right? Where that cross beam could just be put on top of the cross. Then that's what he would have carried onto uh, the outskirts of the city. Okay, if, if Jesus is low to the ground, um, it, it's more likely because then he, he, people could yell at him. People could, if it was a murderer, the family could come up and strike the one being crucified. Uh, it was much more likely Jesus was, was crucified about eye level or not very high. So imagine Jesus doesn't have to cry out these words from a tall cross. He labors to almost whisper them at the same height as everybody else. Much, much different perspective, I think, on Jesus with his raspy voice, dehydrated, dehydrated from losing so much blood, laboring to say these words. And so we're going to take every Sunday from here to Easter and take a look at one of these phrases each Sunday. Today we're in Luke. And Luke records the phrase, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So, Luke 23, I'm going to start in verse 32. Two others, who were criminals, were led away to be put to death with him. And they came to the place that is called the skull. There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. Then he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. Here ends the reading of God's word. So let's recap this story. This story happens on Friday. We would think of Good Friday, right? Jesus began the week with Palm Sunday, a triumphant entry. Everybody's excited. Palm branches waving. He has been daily coming into Jerusalem, even though he's staying outside of Jerusalem. He's turned over the money changers table. He is teaching. And on Thursday, the day before these words, he celebrates the Passover with his disciples, including washing the disciples' feet. He predicts Jesus, or Peter's denial. He predicts Judas' betrayal. He leads the first communion with them, a practice that we will all do together shortly. He went to the garden to pray and was there arrested. Through the night he was in Jewish trials and in the morning he was in Roman trials. And now he is nailed to a cross. He has been beaten and mocked. He has been whipped and a crown of thorns has been placed on his head. He was forced to carry his cross and he stumbled under the weight of it. They had someone from the crowd help them. And now, after all that, In all that pain, through all that suffering, Jesus says the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. These words are crazy. Okay, let's call a spade a spade here. They're crazy. How can Jesus, first of all, how can Jesus pray to the Father in this moment? 
Okay, he's obedient to the Father. He's been praying to the Father. He prayed to the Father in the garden in the night before, where he said, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but yours be done. How upset could you be at the Father right now? Father, you, this was going to hurt, I knew, but this really hurts. How can you pray to the Father in this moment? When we are in pain and suffering, our first instinct is often not to pray. Not to think of God as Father. We tend to get angry at God. Yet Jesus' understanding of the Father, and that the Father is calling him to suffer, he still prays to the Father in this moment. And what does he pray? He prays for the forgiveness of the ones who are doing all this to him. The ones casting lots for his clothing, the ones who have betrayed him, the ones who have left him. The ones who cried crucify, crucify him in the, uh, in the court. The ones who lied to get him falsely accused. How crazy. Now you and I have never seen a public crucifixion. This isn't something that gets done anymore. But in Jesus' day, it was done. In the Roman Empire, it was done often and it was done publicly. Okay? You were crucified in public places. In, by the gates to the city where everyone had to see so maybe me and you don't understand what crucifixion is all about, but these people did. They knew exactly what happened in the crucifixion. They had watched it from the time they were children. They had seen these horrific things. They know what they're doing. How could you forgive such people that are putting you through such hor horrific suffering? How could you forgive the Jewish leaders who went out of their way to make sure that you died? How could you look upon these men that are, that are casting lots for your clothes, who are mocking you on the cross, and forgive? They know what they're doing. But I'm not sure that they understand who they're doing it to. They understand Jesus a little bit, but they don't seem to understand that this is one who doesn't just call Jesus Father like you and I call him Father. He calls Jesus Father because it is the Father. And he also said in his ministry that he and the Father are one. That when they crucify this Jesus, they know what they're doing to crucify Jesus. They don't understand that they're crucifying God. They don't understand that this Jesus is doing this on behalf of humanity. In fact, they really don't understand that they are crucifying him on behalf of all humanity. Um, I love the song that we sang earlier. How deep the Father's love for us. Listen to this line that we all sang together. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. I love that line. It's my voice calling out among the scoffers. It's my voice that's yelling, crucify him. It's my voice that's teasing and taunting him from the cross. It's my sin that holds him there. My sin are the nails of that cross. And yet Jesus says, Father, forgive them. The power of Jesus' words of forgiveness point to the whole purpose of the cross. Jesus, in more pain than you and I will ever know, looks at the people that put him there, including you and I.
and asks the Father for their forgiveness. Think about that. Father, forgive the people that punched me. Forgive the people who screamed obscenities at me. Forgive the ones who whipped me and put a crown of thorns into my skull. Forgive those who nailed me to the cross. Forgive those who plotted and lied to have me wrongly executed. And in that moment, when Jesus, by our own thought process, should be angry, is not just saying empty words of forgiveness. He's dying for that forgiveness. He's paying for those very mistakes in that moment. He is on the cross so that those who are wrongdoing him, who are wronging him, and all humanity who have wronged him can be forgiven. When Jesus says, Father, forgive them, he means you. Father, forgive you, you, you. Father, forgive them. But we buy into two lies related to forgiveness. First, we believe we don't need God's forgiveness. We're not that bad after all. Certainly, I've met worse people than me. I must not be too bad. But a suffering Christ proves on the cross just how bad we actually are. That whenever we ignore God, whenever we ignore the saving work of Jesus, whenever we try to be Lord in our own lives, the, the death we deserve is the one that Jesus takes for us. The other lie is the opposite. It's the lie that says we're so bad, we've done such terrible things, that we are beyond the forgiveness of Jesus. Though we would never say it this way, we're not sure the cross is enough for us. But these words are definitely proved wrong. But, uh, in fact, both perspectives are proven to be a lie when Jesus in his pain says, Father, forgive them. Just because you don't think you're a sinner and you don't have, have that many bad things doesn't mean you don't need forgiven. They don't know what they're doing, says Jesus on the cross. And you will not have done anything in your life. Listen to me. There is nothing you've done, nothing you can do that's going to compare to those people who actually nailed Jesus to a cross, who betrayed him, denied him, lied about him, and put him there. Okay? You're never, you're never going to do anything worse to Jesus than what happens on this particular day. And on this particular day, Jesus says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And so no matter what you've done in your life, no matter how bad you've been, no matter how horrible you've been to somebody else, Jesus stands here today for you and says, Father, forgive them. They didn't understand. They didn't know what they were doing. And not only that, not only does he say, Father, forgive them, he has paid the price for that forgiveness on this cross. And here's the challenge for us in our lives. If Jesus can forgive in such a moment of suffering, we ought to be able to forgive too. We ought to be able to forgive too. People harm you, people wrong you, people cause you to suffer, but Jesus models forgiveness. And sometimes the hardest forgiveness is the forgiveness of ourselves. Sometimes I, I, I cannot like somebody for wronging me, but it's much harder to get over when I have harmed me or I have harmed someone else and I have been selfish and made mistakes. And yet what happens if you start saying about other people, Father, forgive them, they, they didn't know what they were doing. 
What happens if you look at your own life and your own past and you begin to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. I know now something I did not know then. Forgive me. This is the season of Lent. This is what Lent is all about. Repentance. Repentance. Sorrow for, and regret for your past. But not just sorrow. Not just being sorrow. Uh, not just being sorry. To, to repent is really to relent. It's to turn the other way. It's to give something up and go to something else. That's why in Lent we often fast. Okay, that's why in Lent we often give up certain foods or we don't eat certain meals or we give up something in our lives. And it's also why we pick up something new in our lives, a new practice, a new Bible study. Because in Lent, we're trying to repent. We're trying to relent. We're trying to give certain things up that are holding us from God. And we're trying to pick up certain things that will bring us closer to God. And I'm convinced that the most important thing we can pick up in Lent is forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves, forgiving others, and accepting the forgiveness of God Almighty. Know that you are forgiven. Whatever you've done, you are forgiven. That Jesus prayed that prayer of forgiveness. He was praying for your forgiveness. And he was winning your forgiveness on that cross. No matter what you've done, you are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us now respond to this great word of forgiveness from Jesus on the cross by presenting to God his tithes and our offerings.